Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. It's interesting. The older I get, the more inclined I am to believe that things aren't always what they seem. Or, more correctly, they aren't always what I was told to believe they were. Agree with me or not, but all of us start out with a certain level of clairvoyance. Over time, this can fade away. Often, it's because we're guided by misguided adults. It's not exactly their fault. It's natural to want to explain things away, even when we can't explain them. It doesn't fade for everyone, though. And it's not something that's gone forever in any of us. Each of us possesses the ability to tap into much more than we've conditioned ourselves to. Granted, it's not always something we may want to tap into. Like some of tonight's stories, they show us just how terrified being connected can be. And others show the beauty of the same gift. So, let's get started, shall we? These experiences made me stop working the night shift. When I worked as a personal support worker on the night shift at a long-term care home, I had a resident ring a bell at 2.59 a.m. I went in and asked her what she needed, and she proceeded to yell that there was a man in her bathroom and that I needed to get him out. We had people who would wander into other rooms, so I asked her what the man looked like and she said that he was a black figure, and he had no face. I calmed her down and then told whoever was in the bathroom that they had to leave her alone. I then went back to my charting, around 3.10. I had another call bell ring, but from the other side of the floor, from where the first bell went off. I went into this resident's room. This particular resident would ask for pain meds around this time, and I asked if he needed meds. He told me, and I quote, There's a creepy man in my room with no face. You need to get him out. My blood ran cold, and I had a nurse stay with me on the floor for the rest of my night shift. So yeah, when I worked the night shift, all sorts of fun stuff would happen. I'd bring wheelchairs out for cleaning after everyone was in bed and I'd walk down the hall 20 minutes later when it was time to clean them, and they would be on the opposite end of the hall from where I'd pulled them out. Pens would disappear. Lights would flicker. The usual creepy stuff. Please keep in mind, I'm alone in these stories. No one could be playing tricks on me. Not to mention, I worked on a locked dementia ward. There once was a man in the last room on the first floor. The room always had to be dark. The curtains closed. He refused care and was all around a very unpleasant individual. We'll fast forward to last year. He passes away, and we transferred a lady, for the purpose of the story we'll call her E, from the third floor. So E moved to the first floor from the third floor. And then we noticed a change in her behavior. She went from being this sweet but spunky lady to just a total shut-in. 
She was grumpy, violent, and anxious all the time. She then somehow fell and broke her hip. So I was assigned as a one-on-one with her to make sure she got the care she needed. She demanded that I sit beside her and hold her hand the entire time I was there. If I got up to do anything, she would scream. I got up to ask the nurse for some pain meds, and she grabbed my arm and said, Please don't leave me. Don't leave me. There's something in this room, and it's trying to kill me. This happened every time I would go in. So a couple of weeks later, I was taken off the one-on-one, and the day after I was taken off, she passed away. So after E, we had a new lady move in. We'll call her M. M was a sweet lady. She always took her meds, never refused care, and was all around lovely. Except for when it was nighttime, and she had to go to bed. She would resist care and cause a fit. One night, after she got settled, I came in for her brief change, and the nurse came in with me to give M her meds. I was cleaning up in the washroom, and I heard M ask the nurse the most chilling question. Am I going to die soon? The nurse, of course, said, Oh, God, no. Why do you ask, Em? And she responded with, Because at night, the man and the lady in my room tell me that I am. I left the room with the nurse after that, and she was pale as a ghost. I asked the nurse if she was okay, and she said, I had a dream last night that E was sitting at the end of my bed laughing and teasing the new lady in her room. When I was 22 years old, I was pregnant with my oldest child. My child's father, who we'll call Rob, had used illicit drugs in the past before we got together. Our bedroom was set up with our dresser placed against the wall, opposite from our bed. One night, I awoke to the sound of scratching. I looked to the foot of the bed and I saw the outline of Rob's body, sitting there, facing the dresser. He was leaning forward a bit, as if he were hovering over something on top of the dresser. I thought he was cutting up drugs, even though he had never done so during the four years we'd been together. Extremely confused, I whispered, Rob, what are you doing? He didn't acknowledge that he heard me, so with a little more volume in my voice, I repeated his name. Again, no response. He just continued scratching at the dresser. Irritated, I threw the blanket off of myself, huffed loudly, and began to scoot down to the edge of the bed. But I stopped abruptly and froze. Before I had the chance to make any significant movement, I heard a sudden snort. You know, the sound that people make when they snore and you interrupt their sleep, but they don't fully wake up. I slowly looked to my left and realized that Rob had been sleeping soundly next to me the entire time. I never told this story to anyone until now. 
I stay in an area of North Carolina that, back in the early 1800s, had the biggest sawmill in the United States at the time. The town of Elizabethtown now sits on the grounds of that sawmill. To the north is Bladen Lake State Forest. There's a creek there called Turnbull Creek, named after the Indian chief that laid claim to the land there. My grandfather told me Chief Turnbull struck a deal with the sawmill and allowed them to cut the trees except in one area where many of their ancestors were laid to rest. The story goes that the loggers began cutting, and for years there was no problems that had come between the loggers and the tribe, until the day they cut on the sacred land. A battle broke out, and in the end, the tribe was slaughtered, all except the chief. It was said he cursed the land and swore to protect it forever. It was said he changed into black smoke, as dark as coal. And in it were two bright red eyes, like fire. A story when told in detail would scare any kid from venturing off into those woods. Except me and my then best friend. In my younger years, I loved to explore. So naturally, those woods made a great place to have adventures and for discovery. The creek always gave me relief from hot summer days the cool water fed by springs so cold that even in the heat it would give you goosebumps. I used to think that there was gold in that water for the glittery flakes you would find all over your skin after a dip in the tea-colored waters. You always had to be careful of where you took a swim because cottonmouths, water moccasins, and rattlesnakes enjoyed the banks. The forest around it was loaded with wildlife, Deer, black bear, raccoons, and squirrels. They could be seen on a daily basis. Sometimes, if you were lucky, you'd find an arrowhead or a railroad spike from the old logging rail that went down the side of the creek. The old dirt road to the creek was a good hour walk from the neighborhood. I remember one spot on the road was always cold, even in the summer. So cold, in fact, that we would run as fast as we could through it, Sometimes, it felt like the temperature would drop from 99 to 50 degrees, right there. Eventually, I got curious as to why. Maybe it was another creek that nobody knew about, or a pond filled with fish, or maybe something else. Whatever it was, I was going to find out. In June, me and my best friend set out to find out. My grandfather told us not to and he told me the story of Chief Turnbull. I wrote it off as an old tale to scare kids, and set off into the woods anyways. I never believed in ghost stories. This one wasn't going to scare me either. I told my best friend to be prepared for my grandfather to try to scare us, and off we went. I remember walking forever through those woods, and never finding anything. So we decided to follow the cold air, and see where it went. After some time had passed, we came upon a thick area in the woods. Thorny vines and thick underbrush was everywhere. The cold air was coming from the inside of this thicket. We found what we thought was a deer trail, and crawling on our hands and knees, we made our way through it. It felt like a hundred feet we crawled before everything cleared. No trees, no brush, just tall grass and mounds of dirt scattered about and the air was freezing cold. 
The whole clearing was surrounded by the thicket, like a ring. The air was misty, like a light morning fog. In the middle of the clearing was what looked like smoke from a campfire. It was a dark smoke, and in it, it looked like a person standing there. All I could see was the outline of a body, but when it turned around, I saw the eyes, bright red like fire. It moved towards us, quicker than we could react. When we did react, we moved like lightning had struck our feet. I never knew a person could run on all fours, but we did that day, right back through the thicket. So fast, it seemed like a flash. Behind us, we could hear something stomping through the woods like a charging bear and people whispering in our ears. We made it out of the thicket and never stopped running. We ran until the air warmed up and we couldn't breathe enough air in. I think it stopped chasing us long before we stopped running because we didn't hear it anymore. But why not be a little safe and make sure? When we made it out of the woods, it was starting to get dark. No words were spoken on that walk home. Just two kids trying to make sense of what happened in their heads. We walked by his house and then mine was a block away. I had to walk past my grandfather's house to get home. He was sitting on the front porch when I walked by. He asked me if I found what we were looking for, and I told him yes. He asked if I wanted to show him with a smile, in which I replied no. The next day, I went back to my grandfather's house. He told me how he did the same thing when he was little, how he saw the clearing and the mounds. He said it chased him out of there too. Them woods hide a many dark secret, and that was just one of them, I remember him saying. My best friend and I drifted apart after that. He never spoke to me about it, and I never spoke about it to him. He's now the chief of police in a town close by, and I work for an engineering firm, building roads and bridges. My stepson came to me not long ago and asked if we could ride that road one night and spotlight deer. I told him, go if you want to, but I wouldn't. Them woods hide a many dark secret. Some you don't want to discover. Sometimes I ride by that dirt road. Sometimes I will look down it. Sometimes I see a smoky figure standing there with glowing red eyes looking back at me. When I do, I know Chief Turnbull is still there, and he's still protecting the sacred lands. He won't have to protect them from me, though. I'll never go back. When I was six or seven years old, around 1998, I lived in this very old apartment in Skokie, Illinois. To give you an idea of how old it was, it still used one of those old skeleton keys where you could look through the keyhole and see the other room. I was in my room playing on the side of the bed with my Power Ranger toys. It was about 5 or 6 p.m. The TV was on, and I was alone in the room 
with my uncle somewhere else in our apartment. I remember this all so clearly like it happened yesterday. I felt a pressure on my ankle. A painful pressure. I look down and I see a hand, deceased looking, grabbing my leg, trying to pull me under the bed. I fought back, trying to pull my leg away. This only happened for a few seconds. It let go, and at the time, I thought it was my older cousin pulling a prank on me. So I crawled under the bed to see if it was him. Underneath the bed were only empty boxes and nothing to be found. Fast forward to 2021. I finally told my uncle about what happened, and to my surprise, he also had weird things happen to him in that apartment. He told me every night he would have a dream or a nightmare about all of us dying in there. One of them was the apartment collapsing on us. So now I'm curious to ask my other family members that lived there if they ever experienced anything out of the ordinary. I'll start off with a bit of backstory. I was in the second grade during the time of this story, and now I'm 23. My mom and then stepdad moved into a house in Seminole, Florida, which had originally belonged to three older ladies that were sisters, who eventually passed on, leaving the house to go up for sale. The house was extremely outdated. My parents got it for cheap, using extra money to renovate and update the house. A few things that stuck out to me before my parents started renovating. All the light switch covers had the Virgin Mary imprinted on them, an emblem saying, in God we trust, or a cross. In the living room, the biggest wall had wallpaper on it, with a scene of village people from what seemed like the 1800s. Crosses hung above every doorway or entrance to each room. My mom also kept a neat antique bookcase, that was left there before we moved in. On to the story of things I experienced in this house. We would receive mail addressed to all of the sisters, separate envelopes with each name, and they would include one penny taped to each typed letter. I remember one of the names being Josephina. After watching the Halloween episode of Zack and Cody, where Esteban calls spirits through a crystal ball, I thought it would be fun to gather my parents and act out the scene. Holding my parents' hands, I called out, Josephina, if you're here, give me a sign. After I was done being silly, I went to my room, and as soon as I flipped the light switch on, one of the light bulbs made a loud popping sound and went out. I used to wake up in the middle of the night regularly, scared from a bad dream or something silly, and to feel safe, I would turn my TV on and eventually fall back to sleep. One night after waking up, I was watching TV and heard some fidgeting in the living room. My door was halfway open and the living room was across from my bedroom. The doors in the house were wood and hollow in the center, making any tap on them fairly loud and deep. After hearing the fidgeting, I'm still looking at the open space between the frame and the door and there was a loud smack on the door, pushing it open a little bit more. 
but there was absolutely no one there. My parents were sleeping, and we had no animals. At 8.20 p.m. every night, 8 p.m. was my bedtime, and I had a clock on my nightstand. I would feel a light pressure rub against the top of the covers at the end of my bed, over my feet. No one was there, but it happened at the same time every night, as if maybe whatever spirit was in the house was saying goodnight. One day I was going out alone for a hike in an area that only me and my cousin know about, and I passed by a really old building. It had some very old, dusty photos of a man and a woman in one of the windows from the communist era, and I was thinking to myself about how they're probably dead now. After that, I got a really weird vibe during the whole hike, which I've done a hundred times before in the same area. Then, night fell, so I started heading back home. I had a small flashlight on me, which I was using to get back and to make sure I didn't step on something or fall. As I was coming home, through a different remote spot, on a hill, with no buildings or paths or anything like that, never used by people, just wilderness, far from town, I kid you not, Right behind me, in the grass, I heard a literal music box start playing a tune while I was walking. I could hear it while I was walking, and when I stopped walking to listen to it better, I heard it for a split second clearly, and then it stopped, almost like it knew I had stopped to listen for it. As scared as I was, I started looking around and I couldn't find it anywhere in the grass but the sound came from that exact area, very close to me. It just stopped mid-song, and I didn't hear it again. I ran home really scared because I've never had anything like that happen to me before, and I'm not someone who believes in the paranormal, but this made me really, really scared. I also recognized the tune of the song. It was French. It's called Ferrejaca, and our French teacher used to sing it to us in fourth grade to help us relax, and we would sit with our heads on the desks and pretend to be sleeping, like Farah Jacques does in the lyrics of the song. That teacher died of a heart attack in the sixth grade, and my PE teacher at the time also died of lung cancer shortly after. Literally don't know what to make of that night. The moment I heard the music box playing in the middle of nowhere right next to me, in real life. I just stopped moving and thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. This isn't happening. I was also alone in the whole area and the whole trip. It left me freaked out. I never heard it again during other hikes, and none of my friends or cousins or anyone commented anything about it. I don't think it was set up. I'm 100% sure it wasn't in my head because I was hearing it while walking through the grass and shrubs and when I stopped, I kept hearing it clearly from behind me. I don't drink alcohol. I don't do any type of drugs. I don't take any sort of medication 
or anything like that. I'm just baffled. So maybe somebody can make sense out of this. When I was 14, my friend and I were hanging out at my house. My parents had left to go see some friends, so we were left alone, which was pretty normal. We were older kids, and we weren't really up to anything shitty, for the most part. All we generally did was order pizza and play video games. I have a habit where I close the door to my room. It's a habit I got because, as long as I can remember, I always felt a weird vibe in my old house. So, it added a false sense of security by closing it. While we were playing, I started hearing some scratching on the door. I have a dog, so I didn't think anything of it. I went over to open the door, assuming my dog would just come in for a little bit. But he wasn't there. Again, I didn't think anything of it, because my dog was a little bit older. He liked hanging out inside, in his little igloo-shaped bed, and kept to himself for the most part. Sometimes he'd come out in a good mood and want to play, but he was usually asleep. On cooler nights, my parents would leave him in the backyard because he would dig around and explore and have fun. Because he wasn't there, I just closed the door and kept on playing video games with my friend. Twenty minutes later, give or take, the scratching started again. So I went to the door... And again, he wasn't there. Maybe I'm just worrying about him too much. I'm thinking I hear him scratching. So I went over to check on him, and lo and behold, he was actually outside in the backyard, because it was a cooler night after all. With that said, I chalked it up to my imagination, and even though I was unnerved by this, I decided to keep it to myself. So an hour passes by, and we're playing video games again. As usual, we've been at it for a while, and I almost forgot about the whole thing by this point. But the scratching started again. I just proceeded to ignore it. It kept going for a little bit, and at some point my friend looked at me and said, Dude, why don't you just let your dog in? I explained what's been going on, and he was pretty freaked out by the whole thing, but also thought that I was just fucking around. With the door closed... The scratching kept going, and we just ignored it and played quietly, but very nervous. After some time, the scratching stops and the lights go out. We hear sounds like a vase breaking in the house, but I'm convinced that it's a window because we don't have a vase. I tried calling my father because the landline still worked and he tells me that he'll be on his way soon with my mom. After I hang up with him, a few minutes later, the lights come back on. So my friend and I proceed to start looking around the house. Everything is intact and undisturbed. My dog is barking crazily, and I let him in. I'm walking to my room, which is close to the entrance of the front door, and I notice that the latch is unlocked. I am 100% certain I locked it, because I always double-check. To this day, I still have no idea what the fuck happened. My friend and I lost touch, but I did see him many years later, and I asked him if he remembered that day. 
He just looked at me and laughed and said, How could I forget? We still can't make heads or tails of what happened, and I still get goosebumps thinking about that night. We left the house years later when my parents divorced. I'm reaching out because if anyone here knows anything about that, has an explanation that makes sense, or even experienced the same shit and has more answers than I do, I would appreciate it. My sister's been dead for 18 years, but I don't think she ever left me. I actually need some advice with this, because it's been going on my whole life, basically. This may not be a particularly thrilling story, but still eerie enough for this, I think. Starting from the beginning, I was born a twin, but my twin sister died at birth, and so did all six children my parents had after me. Those died pretty early into pregnancy, so it was mostly miscarriages. My twin was the only one who took a few breaths before passing. I'm the only one who survived and grew up to be an adult. I've only lived in one house during my entire lifetime, until recently, when I eventually, finally, got to move out. And there's a good reason for that. I learned about my siblings, especially my twin sister, when I was 14 years old. But when I was a first grader, I would wholeheartedly believe I wasn't an only child. I would tell my teachers and the other children about my sister that I was playing with and sharing a room with. Of course, I don't have actual memories of this because no one was there. But I also didn't lie for attention. I genuinely believed that. I had a fair share of trauma and mental illness in my life already, so when I started to hallucinate disfigured shadows and children in my house at age 12, I went to see a therapist, and it was deemed a symptom of my PTSD. The shadows would form a kind of uncanny form of a young girl most of the time. Until recently, I just considered those hallucinations side effects of my admittedly fragile mental state since the encounters really scared me. Sometimes, it even felt like it would talk to me in a weird, unfriendly way. Some have suggested that it could be demonic, which I can't completely dismiss, simply for the fact that those shadows had such a mental chokehold on me for two whole years and weren't really comforting. But that could have genuinely been my mental health. Well, they stopped around the age of 14, when my mother finally told me about my siblings. But still, on the staircase to my room and around the dinner table, where those things appeared, I feel watched or even chased, especially at night. Sometimes, when I'm awake late, I hear footsteps up the stairs to my room, but they stop just in front of the last step. They don't go back down, but seem to start from the very bottom up again a few minutes later so far so plausible I'm mentally ill but this changed when I got together with my boyfriend he started sleeping over and spending more time at the house naturally and I never told him about my scary encounters so when we were still up one night and the footsteps occurred 
which I had learned to ignore quite well, and he looked up from his phone screen, clearly alert. My stomach dropped. He's a skeptic, so after he mentioned how the sounds were weird, he quickly got his mind off of it. A few weeks later, my boyfriend went to the bathroom at night. In the morning, he told me how weird he felt walking up the stairs. He felt like something was watching and chasing him. I never told him about how I always feel this exact thing when I walk up those stairs. Those occurrences with him started piling up until I got genuinely terrified of staying longer than necessary at this godforsaken house. Right after I turned 18, earlier this year, I started working my hardest to afford to move out, and I finally did, last week. So far, I haven't had any scary encounters in my new home. Something is telling me it was her. Since I was a child, she's been tormenting me. The way my skeptic boyfriend experienced it the same exact way, without knowing, convinced me. I'm not crazy. Ever since I can remember, I've felt something with me. Ghost or not, it doesn't scare me, but it likes to play jokes. One of the instances that stands out was about 10 years ago. I was still living with my parents at the time and I decided to cook dinner. I love to cook so it was never a chore, but I hate peeling potatoes. My dad has never minded peeling them for me, so we went into the kitchen together to prepare the dinner. Our kitchen bar was an L-shape, and the little part of the L was always clear, except when we were preparing food. My dad and I started getting everything out of the cabinets that we would need. He then asked me if I'd seen any of the potato peelers. I told him no, but I would help him look. My mom is just like me in the fact that everything has a place, so I thought this task would be simple. But my father and I look in the drawer where they usually are, and then the dishwasher, and then the dish strainer. We were beginning to get frustrated. We started looking in the cabinets and other places that we knew they weren't supposed to be, but it was worth a shot. While my dad was at the other end of the kitchen, I bent down to look in the cabinets under the small part of the L, and my dad called my name. I stood up and looked at him, and with my back toward the bar. He had a blank stare on his face and was just pointing. I turned to see what he was pointing at, and on the edge of the bar, two of the potato peelers were neatly placed side by side. A more recent event happened a couple of weeks ago. A little bit of a side note, my husband absolutely hates to misplace or lose things. One morning, we'd gotten up, made our bed, and went to the kitchen for breakfast. On top of our freshly made bed, my husband placed his wallet to come back for later. After breakfast, he said he needed to go to the store and proceeded to our bedroom while I stayed in the kitchen, cleaning up. All of a sudden, I heard, You've got to be kidding me. I smiled because I knew what had happened. He came back into the kitchen and asked if any of our children had been in the bedroom. I replied that they had gotten out of bed and been in the kitchen the entire time. After ten years of being with me, the last thing he thinks of is my friend, as he calls it. 
hiding things. I told him I would go and help him look, so we headed back to the room to look. We looked under the bed, on our dressers, in the bathroom, and then slowly took off every layer of the bed. At the end of the search, still no wallet, and the cover and sheets lay in a big pile at the head of the bed. Being the OCD man that he is, and hating that something had disappeared, he tried to convince me and himself that maybe he sat it in the living room or kitchen. To humor him, I followed him through the house, searching room by room, even the rooms we both knew he didn't go in. By this time, he was angry. I told him it would turn up, and that I was going to go make the bed again. As soon as I stepped in the door, I called for him to come. Lying on the top of the mound of covers lay his wallet. He doesn't like my friend. Well, friends, that's all the stories we have for tonight's episode. But be sure to join me every Friday night for a brand new episode of The Darkest Hour. I want to thank everyone who allowed me to share their stories, and also to everyone for listening. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Without any of you, there just isn't a show. So remember, if you love The Darkest Hour as much as I love you, and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button, tap the notification bell, and tell all your friends. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, Darkest Hour, at gmail.com. Also, check out our subreddit and follow The Darkest Hour on Instagram at The Darkest Hour YT. Stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>